Have you ever been so caught up in doing something that you're thirsty, you're hungry, you're tired, but you're like, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to do this and nothing's going to stop me. And you're like, I know I only got just a little bit left. And when I get there, I'm going to go in the house. I'm going to get the biggest glass of water I can find and put tons of ice in it and sit down and enjoy it. You know, I don't know about you, but maybe you're like me. I get to those points where I just got to get it done, right? I got to finish the job and then I'll get a drink. Well, Jesus said this in John chapter 19, verse 28. He was on the cross and he was, he was up there for our sin, of course. We know this as, as believers. And he said this, Jesus, well, he didn't say this, but John wrote this. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. Why did Jesus say he was thirsty? Was it just because he was thirsty? There's so much into this. But he was thirsty because he had just done a tremendous work. He had done this work for you and for me and for all people. His life was poured out, every single drop on the cross for our good. Christ emptied himself so that we may be made full. Christ, as he sat on the cross, as he breathed his last breath, he said these words, I am thirsty. Why did he say, I am thirsty? You'll read in Psalm chapter 22 that David, King David, he said this about Jesus. And if you read Psalm 22, you'll read it and you're like, wait, wait, wait. King David never went through any of this stuff. What's he writing about? Why is he saying this? What he's actually doing is he's prophesying about what Christ was going to do. He's prophesying about this Messiah and that he was going to die on the cross. And, and when you read this, you're going like, I know who this is. I remember when I was a first, uh, first became a believer and I was really getting into scripture and I read Psalm 22 and I was so excited because I'm like, oh my goodness, this is prophecy. I understood and I called my pastor up. I'm like, hey pastor, hey, do you know, do you know that Psalm 22 is about Jesus? He's like, yeah, that's, yeah, everybody knows. Like, I didn't know that. It was one of those moments where those aha moments where God shows you something in Scripture. It's, it's a powerful thing. You know, prophecy is a powerful thing. If you look all through the Old Testament, the whole Bible is speaking about Jesus. From, from Genesis to Revelation, from past to present, every bit of it is pointing to the personhood of Jesus Christ. In Psalm 22, David, King David pens these words. He says, My life is poured out like water. All of my bones are out of joint. When they placed Jesus on the cross, they, they pulled bones apart so that they could get him on there. I mean, they beat him. They, they, they destroyed his body. And he says, my heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all of my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and they throw dice for my clothing. And John, you'll read him retelling the story of Christ's crucifixion. He says that these, these soldiers and these Pharisees and all these people mocked Jesus on the cross. They, they, they came around him like wild animals, like wild dogs, and they mocked him. They spit on him. And the soldiers divided their garment, his garments among them, and they cast lots, they cast dice for them. This scripture, Psalm 22, is a prophetic word about Christ being on the cross. And he says, my life is poured out like water. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. I thirst. I thirst. 
Jesus, his thirst, his thirst satisfied our thirst. His thirst satisfied every deepest need that we have in humanity, every desire that we, go, uh, that we, that we think we need to get in this earth filled. He has filled us. He poured out everything in himself, Jesus did, so that we may be full. He poured out himself into death so that we would be filled with life. See, John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came so that you, all of us, may have life and have it abundantly. This word life, this word uh, abundantly in the, in the Greek is parisos. Is how you say it? I know we don't use that word. but it, What it means is it's life on top of life, right? It, it's, it's, it's this life on top of life. It's this supersized life. You ever go to McDonald's and get the supersized fries, right? You ever get supersized drink? I don't know if they have that anymore, but you get the big gulp. It's like 64 ounces. They got it. Yeah. And so we want this supersized life. Jesus says, I'm coming to give you a life beyond life, this life beyond measure, beyond the regular size. That's what that word really means. When he says abundant life, he's saying, I'm going to give you life beyond the regular size. It's more than just full life on top of life where there's no space for anything else but life. Jesus says, I'm coming to give you life that pushes out anything that is not life. Do you get that? It's life on top of life. And I think so many of us as believers, we come to this idea that my salvation is only for the, for the later. Like my salvation is only for heaven. Like Jesus died on me for the cross. Praise God. Hallelujah. All that. You know, we come on Easter and we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, but we don't grasp that Jesus didn't just die for us to get into heaven. He died so that heaven could get into us. See, see, Jesus came to give us life beyond life, life on top of life, life abundantly. That's in the here and in the now. It, it's, 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 a, it's a life that, that goes beyond the eternal and that, that involves in the here and in the now. See, it's more than just hope for the now. It's joy. I mean, just, it's more than just hope for the future. It is hope. It's hope for the now as well. But it's joy for the now. See, as we as believers, we can have joy in the now because of what Christ has done. I love that song we sing. It's an old hymn. This is because he lives, right? I can face tomorrow because he lives. Life is worth living just because he lives. That's that joy that we have because of Christ. Christ gives us a full life, a life that's eternal. On the cross, he poured out for us so that we would be poured out into this life that he gives. He quenched every thirst that we have, every desire that we try to fill with things of this earth that just doesn't quite bring us joy, doesn't quite bring us life. Jesus brought us life. Jesus met every need on that cross. So today, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to show three stories. Three stories of, of God's power working in believers of this church. Three stories of life on top of life that abundant life that Christ has so graciously given to us. We're going to see three stories. And as you watch these stories, maybe it's your story. Not exactly your same story, but same circumstance, same pain, same, same emotions. As you watch these stories, allow God to speak to you 
and allow him to minister to you because that's what it's about. Last Easter, uh, we made big plans. We and the staff, man, we got all together. We we're super excited. We we're like, we're going to have a huge Easter egg hunt. We're going to have a picnic afterwards. We're going to do Easter so huge, so mega. Like the whole world's going to come because it's going to be so cool, right? And then COVID happened. We shut down and we had the smallest Easter ever. Like it was just, it was just me, the worship team in the woods down there shooting with a camera that was just awful. Praise God for new technology. You know, and thank you guys for giving so much so we can afford this stuff. And it's just, it's, it's just, it was one of those moments where God's like, hey, do you remember what Easter's about? It's about me. It's about you. It's about what I've done for you. It's about giving you life on top of life. It's not about all this stuff. And for us as believers, we know that Easter is every Sunday. Easter is every day. <laughs> we live in this resurrection life. And so as you watch these stories, you're going to see this resurrection power in each and every one of these people's lives. This first story is Justin's story. Justin's story is a story about how God gives us love. He reminds us of who we are in him and that life is worth living just because he lives. So let's watch the story. God done in my life. Um, saved me from myself and so many other things. Showed me how much I was worth. When I was in college, I was really struggling with um, my self-image. You know, when you're in college, you're always worrying about what you're going to do in the future and you know, what's your purpose. But, I mean, also just like the way I looked and like whether I had any friends or anybody who cared about me. I struggled with depression uh, for a while my freshman year probably through or my freshman year of college although to be honest probably my freshman year of high school too <laughs> if I were to really look back but definitely my freshman year of college through maybe even my senior year of college it was really it was really a long battle you know, I had ups and downs but I think um, uh, the most intense part was I had also battled with suicidal thoughts at the time and I remember looking at my sink mirror. We didn't have bathrooms because the bathrooms were shared by everybody. So I remember looking at my sink mirror and a sink and then a mirror. And I remember just looking at myself and just hating what I saw. I remember grabbing at my, my torso like this and just wanting to like just tear. <laughs> it sounds intense, but like legitimate. I wanted to just like tear tear myself out of my own skin. It was, it was really intense. And after I had... I don't know, after I was thinking about that afterwards, what I had thought to myself and what I had done, a thought came into my head and God laid it on my heart. Everyone's capable of doing some really bad things and God told me that as well. It's like, you're potentially even worse than you think you are, despite how, how low you think of yourself. But he also laid this on me. It's not all people gloom. He laid this on me. It's like, even though even given all that, God still keeps the breath in your lungs and you're still alive. But yeah, God really showed me at that time. Um, who are you to say that you know more than God? You know, when I was thinking about those suicidal thoughts, when I was thinking about killing myself, why would you do that when God hasn't done that and God is way more holy and righteous than you are and he sees way more of you than you do? 
So God thinks it's okay that you're alive and he still has a purpose for you. So why don't you think that? And that really, that was a huge turnaround point for me. If God hadn't laid that on my heart, you know, I would have missed out on all the relationships I had after that. I would have missed out on all the teaching stuff that I get to do and all the music I get to play. I mean, yeah, thank God. <laughs> he, he, uh, thank God he told me that, brought me through that. And it's still a battle, but it, it's a battle that's, that's really already won through, uh, through God and through Jesus. So, yeah. Ephesians 1, 3 says this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us. Even before he created, he made the world, God loved us. And he chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. Do you get that? Despite how you see yourself, despite when you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror and you hate what you see, despite what you feel about yourself, despite how down you are on yourself, what does God see? Someone without fault. Someone who is beautiful. Someone who he has chosen to love for himself. And it says this in verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us in his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do. And he gave it, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He showered his kindness on us. And you get this, along with all wisdom and understanding. How did God speak to Justin? Through wisdom and understanding. I want you to know today, what's your hang up? What do you feel like like God is, is needing to tell you today. Maybe you're, you're, you can relate to Justin's story. Maybe you just feel, man, I'm, I'm, I'm dirt. Like, <laughs> there's no reason for me to go on. I love what he said. You know, if, if he sees it fit that I'm still breathing today, there's got to be a purpose for him. There's a purpose for you. Don't give up on life. God hasn't given up on you. Life's worth living because he lives. This next story is Sam's story. It's pretty hard to watch. But Sam's story, whoops, I'll throw stuff. It's all good. <laughs> you know, just throw stuff. Sam's story is a story of restoration and a story of forgiveness. It's a, it's a story of how God can take something seemingly that's, that's bent on destroying someone and bringing back something even better than you thought could ever happen. So let's watch Sam's story. I grew up in a very rigid church where you have specific things that you know you have to do and if you're not living up to these standards then you're not a Christian so me being the rebellious person that I am I kind of fell away from it and just kind of lived my life and things were starting to do pretty good I was finally getting myself together things were going okay they weren't perfect, but they were okay. 
And then December 11th, 2018 happened. I'll never forget that day. I had to take a load down uh, near Austin. And it was just like normal, like everything else. This was a last minute load they had me to jump on. I was almost to my destination and I had to make a left hand turn across two lanes. It was pitch black outside, there were no lights anywhere. And what I didn't know was that there was a bad dip in the road right there. And I got two thirds of the way into my turn and I felt an impact in the side of my truck, dead center of the trailer. I didn't know what had happened. I jumped out and there was a Chevy Tahoe buried underneath my trailer and I could hear one person screaming. Three people were dead and I was at fault. Even though I did nothing wrong, that was all that could go through my head. For me, everything was over. My career was over. Nobody was going to hire me, not after that. My life was over. Uh, I was assigned a lawyer who was trying to protect me from, at first I thought it was lawsuits. Turns out I was looking at three potential charges of either negligent homicide or vehicular homicide. I was looking at spending time in prison. And for a former cop like me, that that's worse than death. As time went on over the next month, I kept getting uh, letters from the attorneys that were prosecuting the lawsuit that was coming. I was named personally in a $10 million lawsuit. And I was advised to protect myself because there was no doubt I was going to lose, that I had to file bankruptcy. The credit that I had fought so hard to build back up was gone. And the stress just took me to the darkest place that I'd ever known. I lost a woman that I thought I was in love with. I lost my home, my credit rating, my career. And I'm looking at losing my freedom. And the only thing I could think of right then was, oh God, I guess I'm going to lose you now. A small voice in the back of my head said, no. Yeah, still here. Finally, started going to some churches, started getting back into the world. Uh, I'm looking for anything serious, but it is kind of lonely. So I started looking back on the dating scene. And who'd want to date me now? I had nothing, absolutely nothing. And I met Cecilia. We started going to church together. Like things were slowly getting restored. It didn't happen overnight. 
And then I found a, another job driving a truck, um, which is what I do. I didn't think anybody would hire me. Through them, I met a fellow who introduced me to Waterhouse Church. <laughs> I guess the joke's on them because I'm still here. When my truck driving career came back, it was restored. My relationship with people was slowly restored. Cecilia, who knew that I had absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. She now wears my diamond ring on the floor. Through all this, I've learned that God has a lot to give. If your hands are too full to accept it, how can you? Romans 8.1 So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power that, of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I love Romans 8.31 what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us? Whom God has chosen from his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything, can anything ever separate us from God's love, from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Guys, I'm telling you, just because you're going through things right now doesn't mean that Christ does not love you. Just because you're, you're, you're in a situation where you feel boxed in and you feel desperate doesn't mean that God has given up on you. Does he not, does, does it mean he no longer loves you if you have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? I mean, as the scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed all every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced, this is the Apostle Paul writing this, someone who was beaten, someone who was stoned and thrown out of town, someone who was shipwrecked, someone that had all the right to say, God has forsaken me. He says this, I'm convinced that nothing, nothing, no thing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above and the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God restores. God gives back. Who dare condemn us? Who dare? Who dare accuse us? We are His chosen. We are His loved and we are forgiven. This next story is Katie's story. It's a story of how something seemingly dead can be renewed better than ever 
restored, and given new life. Let's watch Katie's story. I was married in 2016. We're still married. He is um, the absolute love of my life. We have three children together. But it hasn't always been perfect. We met in 2015, August of 2015, and we were married March of 2016. And almost instantly, I kind of felt like, okay, I'm married, but uh, and I, I'm married, I have a husband, but I don't feel like I have a husband. He had an issue with drinking too much, and I asked him time and time again, like, please, please get help, please stop, and nothing ever, nothing ever seemed to make him want to do better, or to get better for him, for his kids. Fast forward to last year, we had been through a lot, and I just kept hearing God say, like, Katie, you need to leave your husband. And I'm sitting here like, well, hold on now, I don't, I don't think I should leave my husband. I, I feel like we can work this out. I just kept hearing, like, no, you need to leave your husband. Trust me, you need to leave your husband. And um, I think that was the hardest thing to follow through with was to have faith and jump into it blindly. We were separated for about two months. And at the beginning of this separation, when I left, I was like, okay, I'm, that's it, I'm done. Fresh start. Where do you want me now, Jesus? Where, where do I go from here? Um, never did I ever think that it would lead me back to my husband. Although I was a believer myself, I hadn't really, I had always wanted to get my kids in the church, but I had never pulled the trigger and actually found a church and got them involved. When I couldn't get him to do things with me, it just deterred me from doing that. Even something as amazing as going to church. I knew how great church was, but I didn't want to go without my husband. So we just didn't go. But um, Eden said, I want to go to church. I took Eden to Children's Church, and I walked in, and immediately the first person that really made an impact on me was Marge. I met her, and she just immediately saw me, and she just took me underneath her wing, and I just remember sobbing and crying because I was so overtaken. It, was the best feeling, but also the saddest feeling because I so wanted my first man to do that. I had to work on a Sunday and Eden still wanted to go to church, so Chris said, okay, I'll take her because he had been wanting to go to church. And um, he ended up taking her to church. And so at first I was like, hey, you know, that's, that's my church. These are my people. It's my pastor and, you know, but um, God has different plans, definitely. Um, I saw the man that I married, that I prayed for constantly, go from somebody who did not want to be involved 
with life. He didn't want to be involved with marriage. He didn't want to do anything with the kids. He didn't want to be a part of our lives. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. And 99% of the time that consisted of drinking. I saw this person who I had envisioned in my head turn in to somebody who was greater than what I had been praying for. Everybody um, has really just taken us underneath their wing and made us, helped us along the way. It wasn't until we had gotten back together and Marjorie had asked, whatever your Jesus song is, just sing it in your head, sing it out loud, just give it all to Jesus. And at that exact moment, um, lyrics came into my head. I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the dark. And it just hit me in a whole different way, like, y'all are God's army. This, this church, this community of people that we have come to know and love and cherish, y'all are who he has sent. You're his army. To say that I am appreciative of this church and the community a huge understatement because since starting here, since going here, I have my husband back. I feel like for the first time ever in my marriage that I have a marriage, that I have my husband, that I have what God intended me to have. Second Corinthians 4, 5, 14. Since we believe that Christ died for all, do you believe that Christ died for all, for everyone, regardless of their life? We also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. What's the secret to following Jesus? Simply this, verse 15. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves, but instead they live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And in that we find our joy on the here and now. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. And at one time we thought Christ of as merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us, the church, this task of reconciling people to himself. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. You get that? no longer counting our sins against us. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. See, we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. The church speaks for Christ, and we plead to you, come back to Christ. Come back to God. 
For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. See, the church has this beautiful assignment of simply opening the door for the great reconciler to come in and to change their life. God has reconciled. God has made new. We are a new creation. That's the power of the resurrection. That same power that raised Christ from the dead now raises us from the dead. I want you to hear this church. Paul writes to church in Ephesians. And what he says to the church in Ephesians, I want you to understand because it's good for us to grasp. He says this, and he says this with deep passion. I pray that you will also understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Come on, there's a power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And now he is far above any ruler of authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ Jesus and has made him head over all things. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know where you've been this year, but God is above all of that. Above all of that. He's above all things. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church, that's us, is his body. Those who believe, not just Waterhouse Church, those who believe, we are his body. And it is made full and complete by Christ. If Christ isn't in the church, then we're not the church. It is made full and complete by Christ. Who who gets this, guys? Who fills all things with himself everywhere. Who fills all things everywhere with himself. Christ emptied himself out on that cross so that we may be filled, so that we may be poured in. He died on the cross so that we may live. He was resurrected to show and to prove it, that we may be resurrected, not just in the afterlife, but also in the here and now, things in our life that need to be brought back to life. He feels everything with himself. He feels you. He feels me. That's that same power that rose Christ from the dead, now raises us. All you have to do is believe and receive. That, that's the gift of salvation. That's the gift of life. Christ did all the work already. That's why he was thirsty. So we didn't have to thirst. That we would be quenched. That our lives would be made full and whole. It's just Jesus. Just Jesus. Revelation 21 says this. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. And they will be his people. For God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And then the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for this is what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished very last words on the cross it is finished it's done
done. I worked so that they don't have to. I gave my life so that they don't have to. I was poured out to pour into them. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This is Christ to all who are thirsty. I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. Freely. That means all we got to do is just ask. And he gives you life that is above life, on top of life. Not just in the hereafter, but here in the now. You know, as you're watching these stories, maybe one stood out to you and you're like, man, that could be me. <laughs> that could be me. That is me. Right now, what I'm going through. I want you to know, Jesus Christ died. Not just for them and their stories, but for you and your story. He wants to give you something new. Something beautiful. Something whole. Full of life. Life on top of life. Super 